Southern Baptists met last week in New Orleans, Louisiana for the 2023 annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention. Maybe you've seen something in the media, read something or heard something about it. I was there. Let me share with you what happened that was important for you to know. Southern Baptists have a different denominational polity than most other denominations in America. Ours is not top down, it's bottom up. So the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention is when representatives or what we call messengers from churches come together to conduct the business of the denomination. It's there that we make decisions, we give instructions to the agencies and the boards that are part of our denomination. And it's an important time for Southern Baptists to speak, hopefully in a unified way, about the issues that face us in any given historical moment. There's a lot of speculation about problems in the Southern Baptist Convention, and, and, and the media loves to talk about churches leaving the convention or being kicked out of the convention. Let me just share with you a real quick report of the things that were accomplished. From my perspective as a pastor of a Southern Baptist church, uh, I didn't get everything that I wanted from this convention, but I was satisfied with most of what happened. Let me give you the highlights. In 2021, the Southern Baptist Convention proposed the establishment of a sexual abuse uh, task force to study whether there was a problem of uh, sexual abuse uh, within our churches. The Me Too movement combined with uh, issues within the Roman Catholic priesthood and just our culture in general makes this a hot topic. And because churches need to be a safe place, especially for the most vulnerable of our people, uh, this was a matter that Southern Baptists took seriously. As it turns out, the, the statistical occurrence of sexual abuse within Southern Baptist churches is significantly lower than the national average per capita of sexual abuse cases across the, the, the board in our country. While that's good news, the fact is uh, we want that number to be zero. So in 2021, a task force to study the issue was um, created. They reported to the convention meeting in 2022, and as their report was adopted, they then formed an, an abuse task force implementation process so that we could move toward uh, creating a centralized database of information for churches to use as they do leadership searches for hiring uh, and calling pastoral and other leaders in their church. The task force presented their report this year and they acknowledge some of the difficulties with this kind of clearinghouse of information, uh, but they asked for another year because what they hoped to accomplish was not ready to roll out yet. And so the convention in 2023 authorized the implementation task force another year to pursue the development of a denominational strategy to help churches uh, be able to accomplish their due diligence when it comes to uh, putting men and women in leadership roles and trusting that 
that these were good and safe decisions. Now, there's a part of me that's skeptical about our ability to be accurate and effective in this kind of endeavor, but I voted for the extension uh, of this task force for one more year because they're clearly not ready to do something like this on a nationwide scale, which is what the goal is. And so we'll have another year for them to try and get this right, and we'll see. I'm concerned about the denomination taking on responsibility for things that happen in churches. Uh, in our polity, the denomination does not run or control individual churches. So I want to be real careful that we don't assume uh, legal liability for something that happens in a particular church and ends up costing the denomination victim compensation funds in some sort of legal action. All of those kinds of details still need to be worked out. And what I hope that we're doing is balancing the need to protect the vulnerable and those who have been traumatized by predators, wolves in sheep's clothing, balancing that with a desire to protect our churches and to leave the autonomy of churches intact so that they can function with Jesus Christ as the head of the church, which is our basic theology uh, related to the church in, in, in Baptist life. A second thing that you probably have heard about in the media is the controversy over the question of women in ministry. Our culture uh, is moving in a very clear direction in regarding the question of how women serve in churches. Southern Baptists spoke this, this, in this year uh, in a way that will, will not go well with the culture. But we spoke with a, a fairly unified, a, a strong stance, uh, arguing for uh, a, what I believe is an explicit understanding of the restrictions of uh, biblical restrictions for women in ministry. Now, Southern Baptists have, have tried to walk a clear and biblical pathway that argues that the Bible limits the office of elder, pastor, teaching pastor, to men, while at the same time opening the doors for the service of gifted women in every other capacity in church life. As we buck the trend of other denominations, what I want, what I, what I want my church to understand is that the basic underlying issue here is not really what women can or cannot do in the church. The basic issue is once we understand what the Word of God says on the subject, even if it's out of step with the culture, or frankly, especially when it's out of step with the broader culture, the question is not um, do we agree with it? The question is do we believe in biblical authority enough to submit ourselves to the teaching of God's Word? Most denominations in evangelical America right now have, have uh, given into the culture, and as they have moved into uh, women in elder roles in their churches, there's not a direct correlation between uh, putting women in 
in ministry roles and then finding yourself affirming other agendas like the LGBTQ plus agenda. It's not that women in ministry cause uh, the affirmation of, of those other unbiblical uh, ideas. What, what is clear is that the reason there is a progression in the life of a church further and further away from the prescriptions of the Bible is because that first step that's taken is really a rejection of biblical authority over the church. In other words, there's God's way to do things, and then there's every other way. And when we choose any of the other ways, the natural progression is we continue to do things our own way, and the culture becomes much too influential in the life and the development of the church. At the base, this is an issue not of women, uh, but of biblical authority. Now, part of the result of this is that the Southern Baptist Convention in recent months separated itself from several churches that have uh, ordained women as senior pastors in their, in their church family. Now, the media has gotten this wrong because they, I've seen headlines trumpeting that Southern Baptists hate women, Southern Baptists kick out churches that have women, blah, blah, blah. Here's the bottom line. The way Southern Baptist life works, every level of Southern Baptist life is autonomous. There's no top-down hierarchy. So, so in other words, the individual local church is autonomous. They make their own decisions. The local network of churches in a city or a region is autonomous. The state level in our, in our denominational life is autonomous. The national level is autonomous. What that means is that each level, Southern Baptist organizationally have the right to establish their expectations for membership. Now, despite what the media will tell you, the Southern Baptist Convention did not tell churches to fire their female pastor or to change anything they do. We acknowledge that the church has the right to make their own decisions. They stand accountable to God. They will answer for whatever decisions they make. The convention didn't kick churches out because they wouldn't uh, bow to, to the convention's will what the convention did was they said, we have established the parameters for membership in this body and for those churches that have placed themselves outside the boundaries, outside those parameters of membership, they are no longer in friendly cooperation and so they can't be a part of our, of our denomination at the national level. I'm comfortable with this because this is not a, a, a small controlling group somewhere uh, interfering in the life of churches. Churches can continue to answer to the Lord and do what they need to do. But in the same way that a church answers to the Lord, the national body answers to the Lord in the way that we try and be biblically faithful and consistent in what we do. Uh, the headline story in this topic was that Saddleback Church, a major mega church in Southern California, was one of the churches that was um, expelled from membership in the denomination. Uh, their pastor made uh, an appeal. He asked for the church to reverse, the, for the convention to reverse 
the decision of their leadership. Uh, but the convention spoke decisively. Uh, by, by more than 88%, the convention said this church, as large as it is, as influential as it is, as much uh, impact as it has, they said, go and, and, and be well, be blessed, do your thing, but you're no longer a part of us. We no longer fit. There's nothing wrong with that. And so whatever you see attacking Southern Baptists about our position on women, our belief is that where, Bible, where the Bible is explicit, we have lots of things that we can disagree about, but we can only disagree about those things that the Bible leaves to us to determine for ourselves. Where the Bible is explicit, we don't have the right to agree to disagree. We only have the right to align ourselves with the Word of God. There were some issues at the convention that weren't dealt with, such as increased financial accountability at the North American Mission Board. That issue was essentially left unaddressed and sort of pushed down the road for another year. Uh, I have concerns about that, and... Um, and we'll have to wait and see. Todd Unzicker, the executive director of the Baptist Convention of North Carolina, delivered the convention sermon, and for me it was the low point of the entire meeting because he proceeded to, uh, to give me a huge disappointment as his sermon, which was not really a sermon, it was more a, a tirade, he suggested that people like me who would like to see greater accountability in our denominational agencies, that we are in fact troublemakers who only desire control. That couldn't be further from the truth. I have no denominational ambitions. I'm not interested in being in charge of anything. But I was disappointed in what I consider to be the worst convention sermon I've ever heard because he was angry and, and ugly in the way he spoke to Southern Baptists. Uh, I understand that the call for accountability is not by definition hateful. My church alone gives almost $400,000 a year to the cooperative program, which is the centralized funding agency of the Southern Baptist Convention. As a pastor, I have a responsibility for that $400,000 that my people give it to places that uh, that we have full confidence in. And when there are issues that, that give us concern, it's not unfair for us to ask for information, clarification, and transparency. So we'll see how this moves forward as, as the next year unfolds. Um, on the good side of the convention, we commissioned 79 brand new international missionaries to nations around the earth. Uh, we received six solid reports from our Southern Baptist seminaries. Uh, we adopted a total of nine resolutions, including one resolution that states uh, the, the convention's position on artificial intelligence and emerging technologies, uh, one resolution on wisely engaging immigration, one resolution opposing gender transition procedures, especially among minors, and one on the lordship of Christ over the human conscience and our willingness to stand against the demands of an overreaching government. You can find these resolutions on the Southern Baptist Convention website. Uh, they are powerful statements 
about how we fit together in the culture. There are some pastors I know who are talking about leaving the convention. They're unhappy about this, they're unhappy about that. Let me read you a passage of scripture from the last chapter of the book of Romans. Because this chapter is about Paul's personal relationship with a lot of people whose, name, whose names we really don't recognize, this chapter is fairly obscure. It doesn't get a lot of attention. But I just wanna, I just wanna read this to you and then, then share with you why it's important in this conversation about our convention. In Romans chapter 16, Paul says, I recommend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Sancria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also, greet the church that is in their house. Greet Epinatus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsfolk and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding in the view of the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachus, my beloved. Greet Apellus, the beloved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet those of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphana and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother and mine. He goes on with another list. The names continue for verses. What does this tell us? Probably the only name you know from the book of Romans is the Apostle Paul himself. But the Apostle Paul didn't function in a bubble. He didn't do ministry in isolation. He was in relationship. He was in cooperation. And while I am serious about pursuing accountability and, and uh, theological consistency within the Southern Baptist Convention, it is not time to talk about separating from a convention where we as a church cooperate with those who are like-minded in order to do global missions around the world, North American missions in Canada, the United States, and Mexico, theological education producing pastors by the hundreds every year. There are things we cannot do, even as a growing church, in isolation of brothers and sisters. So, until the Southern Baptist Convention crosses a line that I can't cross, for all of its imperfections, I'm still a Southern Baptist. I was a Southern Baptist by birth, then I was a Southern Baptist by education, now I'm a Southern Baptist by conviction. And until I can no longer be a Southern Baptist by conviction, we will continue to fight the fight to be a biblically faithful collection of churches filled with believers following the Word of God, being salt and light, in a culture that desperately needs what we have to offer. This is Truth Currents.